We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFP Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, the senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside our lead college football writer, Bill Bender, at SportingNews.com. And again, we have another special guest, and it is another lead college football writer, national college football writer, Chris Hummer from 24-7 Sports. Chris is based out of Austin, Texas, where they are uh hosting the biggest spring quarterback battle in the history of college football this spring chris welcome in i'm just honored to be here to talk about yet another manning um (laughs) happy happy to be here i appreciate it guys so uh chris yeah we uh you know we um know that uh arch manning and, and quinn ewers are going at it they had their first spring practice yesterday you're you're in austin like i said what's the buzz What's the expectations around uh, what will happen over the next few weeks and uh, maybe some impressions that you took from from Sark's press conference after the after the practice? He didn't necessarily, you know, dodge or, or downplay the competition. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, um, I guess I would I would take this with two approaches. The first thing is what Steve Sarkeesian said, which is that every position is up for grabs. He said what a coach is supposed to, and every position, including quarterback, is a competition. So, in that sense, Quinn Ewers is competing with Arch Manning for the starting job, um, Malik Murphy as well, and several other Texas quarterbacks on the roster. Um, the thing that I would say that's probably going to ruin the podcast title is this is not a competition, in my opinion, not even close to it. Um, This is Quinn Ewers' job. Um, The only way this competition and quotation marks really becomes a competition is if Quinn struggles to elevate from where he was last year. And I think the expectation is with Quinn being healthier with a third full year and a college um, with a new haircut (laughs) that he'll be a much better quarterback in 2023. And I think the idea is even for Arch Manning, um, just talking to people, around Texas, and even like I was at the Manning Academy this summer, just talking to people who knew Arch very well, that he wasn't expecting to go into Texas and start right away. Like this is a situation where they knew Quinn Ewers was there and they were willing to be patient. So um, I think this is Quinn Ewers' job to lose, certainly. That said, Chris, so what is the fascination factor with Arch Manning in Austin right now? And going in, I mean, I've, I one of the points I made is like a guy like me, na- another national writer, is going to watch the spring game probably to watch Arch more than Quinn is that, I mean, is, what is the buzz around him and Austin or is it kind of what you're saying that people are just thinking, well, this is Quinn Ewer's job. I mean, like just from a buzz perspective, I don't know if y'all would agree. Arch is probably the most well-known name in college football the moment he stepped on campus. Right. Like I bet more people nationally know who Arch Manning is than Caleb Williams. Maybe it's, maybe they're tied, but like, he, given his last name, he is the most prominent figure in college football. Um, that's just who he is. Like his parents, um, Cooper Manning, did an admirable job protecting him during the recruiting process. And his uncles are obviously quite famous. Um, but he's at Texas now and he is the name. So there's a ton of interest. Like I, I'm going to be at Texas this spring game, I'm sure, just to watch Arch Manning. But so from that perspective, there's a ton of interest in him. But I think people forget like Quinn Ubers was a higher ranked recruit than Arch Manning. Like, if you just talk about natural talent, I think Quinn has more than Arch in his right arm. Um, there's a lot of qualities that you really like about Arch, too. And he was a number one overall prospect on 24-7 sports rankings for a reason. But, like, this is a situation where it's not like Arch is coming in and pushing a non-established starter. He's pushing one of the players that we considered a generational quarterback prospect of the last 10 years. Um, so I think Texas is making on Quinn Ewers improving this year. And showcasing a lot of the skills that made him talked about in the same way we talked about Trevor Lawrence just a couple of years ago. Um, but I mean, I'm just like everybody else. I'm excited to see what Arch Manning does too. Cause we haven't seen Arch Manning play against good competition his entire career. He played at a small school in Louisiana. So it'll be very compelling to see how he does against Texas's defense. Yeah. And you know, Quinn showed off some of those skills that you talked about last year and some, some really big games, some big performances, but he also showed some inconsistency and I think that, you know, inevitably had Texas fans, you know, their minds wander a little bit to Arch Manning. 
uh, and he remains a huge mystery. Stayed away from a lot of those all-star camps and everything like that. So, like you said, he hasn't shown a lot of competition. I mean, he hasn't played against a lot of high, highly ranked competition. Um, but there's still uh, – to me, it's like Texas can't really go wrong here. You know, I mean, it sounds like you, you, they have a game plan that they're ready to follow. But plan B is still pretty good. I mean, when you get the number one overall quarterback, basically, in two of the last three years, you're in pretty good shape. So, yeah. I mean, if Arch Manning is forced to play, and we saw Quinn Ewers get hurt last year, um, like, Texas could do a lot worse, I'm sure. But um, I think plan A is certainly that Quinn Ewers plays well. Um, I think the worst thing that could happen for Texas is for this to just become, like, a national QB conversation weekly. Um, I remember... um, some pretty notable quarterback competitions at Texas where the talent wasn't quite to this level. Shoot. I remember Vince Young and Colt McCoy being quarterback battles back in the day before they were who they were, but this has the potential to be an all consuming thing um, from a media perspective and from a narrative perspective. So I think it would be best for all parties involved if Quinn was good and Arch was ready to play next year with the year of seasoning, but this is college football and you never know, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have um, the number one overall quarterback in your class as your backup plan. Well, by all parties, you don't mean writers. I mean, we need something to write about, Chris. Come on. No, um, and along those lines, too, when we went into last year, I remember a lot of people writing that, you know, the Alabama game was going to be the bellwether game for for Quinn Ewers, the, the ultimate test. Now, obviously, I told people he played very well until he got hurt. I mean, how much is that Alabama game, you know, a, not just a measuring stick for the quarterbacks, but – what do you think Texas should be, will be going into that game? It looked like from a talent standpoint, they weren't overwhelmed in that game. They just got beat in the end. Yeah. I mean, last year I thought Quinn played the best game of the season outside of maybe the second half against Washington. Um, he played great. And I think part of Quinn struggles last year um, coming back from injury was just coming back from injury. I think he was a little hesitant. I think his footwork suffered, but we saw him play much improved football in the bowl game against Washington against a pretty good um, team. So I think Texas is hoping some of that translates as for the Alabama game and expectations, like Texas, Alabama won't be favored. I'm sorry. Texas won't be favored, but like, this is a game Texas could win. Like on paper, if you look at Texas and you look at what Alabama brings back and all the questions Alabama has going into next year, like, I don't think Alabama should be a huge favorite. This game should certainly be competitive. Like it was this year. Um, and I, if it's close or if Texas wins, I think it's certainly a bellwether for what, is possible for Texas in 2023. I think the expectations for Texas going into next year is a big 12 championship. They're the best team in the big 12. The big 12 is diluted heading into next season with the four teams coming in um, that are all going to have an adjustment period for the big 12. This is your best opportunity before you get to the sec to win a conference championship. Cause once you get to the sec, it's a lot harder. Like everything sets up for Texas this year to make a run. And I think the Alabama game would be really telling as to whether they can do that. Sark, Sark talked a little bit about the running game yesterday. You know, he said he, he's had a 1,000-yard rusher every year he's called plays, and he's called plays a long time. Uh, but he said he'll need the passing game to take some pressure off the run game. Who, uh, who's in line to replace B. John Robinson as the number one back for Texas? Yeah, there's a couple of options for that. Um, I think the name that most people are going to focus on is Cedric Baxter, who is a five-star recruit in the 2023 class. Um, If you think about the number one overall backs the last couple of years, um, they've all come in and had immediate success. 
Nick Singleton, Travion Henderson, Bijan Robinson all became immediate superstars. And I think Cedric Baxter has that type of ceiling. Um, Texas's offensive line is going to be really good this year. Um, I think it's expected to take a huge step forward. That group has been considerably upgraded. Um, yeah, they're recruiting rankings the last couple of years. And I think there's a lot of expectations on it. Um, I don't know if Cedric Baxter will run for a thousand yards as a freshman, but um, he'll certainly get some help from Jonathan Brooks. Um, he's actually Texas's all time, like the state of Texas all time rushing leader. I believe um, he had a really decorated high school career. Um, not a supreme athlete, but a very good one and clearly has great vision. Keelan Robinson's also back, kind of Texas is like scat back. So they have three potential options um, at running back that could take the reins there. But as you said, um, Bill, it's going to be on the passing game. Texas is going to have one of the three or four best receiver rooms in college football. And that's the, that's the unit you really hope can carry Texas if you're a Texas fan or a Texas coach. So defensively, I mean, that's always a question when you come in Texas. Last year, only allowed 21.7 points per game. Didn't yep. give up 30, only two games. I mean, are they start? why are they starting to improve on that side of the ball? It was down 10 points from the year before. And will the, dare I say, will that be a strength for Texas coming into this year? Yeah, it, it should be. Um, honestly, I could never really quite understand why Texas had bad defenses. Um, generally, it came down to the inability to tackle consistently and um, really having bust at the wrong moment. But a lot of that was alleviated last year. Um, I think a lot of credit people try to put on Gary Patterson, and he certainly had a lot to do with it. He won't be back next year for Texas, but Pete Keselowski, um, the defensive coordinator, did an excellent job for Texas last year. And there's a ton of talent coming back on this defense. Um, Jalen Ford might have been the best defensive player in the Big 12 last year. Um, I know not a lot of people are familiar with his name, but um, he's an All-American candidate this year. And Texas, frankly, got better up front, particularly inside. They were just massive. They were really hard to run against. Um, for the first time in what seems like forever, Texas's talent translated up front. Texas still needs to get better. Um, they need to figure out a way to generate a pass rush. Um, the secondary is still a bit of a question, but they have added two notable transfers. Um, Jalen Catalan from Arkansas, Gavin Holmes from Wake Forest, both of whom are going to be either starters or plug-and-play depth pieces. So Texas, when you think of the recruiting rankings and you think of the talent and you think of the overall depth on the roster, is better than it's been in a long time on defense. And I think the expectation is that unit will maintain or even get a little bit better going to next year. Chris, you mentioned, you know, Alabama looking for a quarterback. We're uh, as part of the, you know, how much they lost. Uh, we look at the, you know, the college football is kind of emerges the big three between Ohio state, Alabama, and Georgia. And uh, of the big three, all three lost great quarterbacks uh, mm-hmm. last year. I asked Bill this question last week. I'll ask you this week. Um, you know, of the big three that are replacing the quarterbacks, which school will be leaning most on their new QB one next year to carry the offense? Um, I think by the nature of the offense and the system, it's probably Ohio State, um, just because you have those receivers that they have. You need to throw the ball and take advantage of it. Um, and obviously they have Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams and a good offensive line. So there's not a ton of pressure there, but I just think in Ryan Day's system, those quarterbacks have to be outstanding. Um, Georgia, I think is the least um, problematic of the options. Like I, it's probably going to be Carson Beck and Carson Beck's probably going to be good, but the infrastructure's there around them. 
Um, Alabama will be really interesting. Um, this is not the Alabama wide receiver room of past years. This is not really the Alabama running room of past years either, um, even though I like Jason McCollum quite a bit. So that quarterback is going to have some pressure on them. But I just think by the nature of the position and the nature of who you're throwing to, it's probably Ohio State, just because the quarterback has a ton of pressure on them to get the ball um, to guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka. Um yeah, sorry. This is not making for good podcast material. No, you, you, uh, if you play for the record, back, that was that was Bill's answer too. I, you could that. just play back my answer from last week because you <laughs> said everything I said. So Bill, if you and I, I, I are, I didn't want to admit it, but I studied ahead of time listening yeah. to podcasts. Yeah, answer, just if you, you agree with me, it's always a good thing. So, um, you also obviously transfer portal expert, uh, you know, with 247 sports. Um, what do you see that is there a market for that in May in terms of is there some quarterback battles you're watching where maybe the loser, I know Bill and I talked a little bit about Ole Miss last year where they, or this, this year where they kind of piled three guys in. Are there any battles you're watching both maybe a guy leaves or maybe a team that's maybe looking to pick one up? Yeah. I mean, certainly like Auburn still really needs a quarterback, for example. Um, And that, I think that's kind of the big, the big target there in terms of portal needs at quarterback. Um, I can think of a few others that could use upgrades, but Auburn's the main one that comes to mind. Um, in terms of quarterbacks that could leave, I, I should note that the SEC has a rule that on February 1st, I believe, that's the cutoff date for interconference transfers. So, like, I think a Georgia quarterback battle is really interesting. Like, let's say, for example, Brock Vandergriff, um doesn't win that job and he doesn't want to wait on Carson Beck. He could probably go somewhere and start, but by the SEC rule book, he can't transfer to Auburn. Uh, for example. Um, but like in terms of quarterback battles, I think matter Ohio state, like Devin Brown versus Colin McCord, like one of those guys probably doesn't want to sit. Like there's no guarantee one transfers, but that's going to be a big one to watch. Um, the Georgia quarterback battle um, comes to mind. The old Miss quarterback battle, certainly. Although like you would have to get creative with the rules. Jackson Dart can't transfer. I don't believe he's graduated a second time without sitting a year. Spencer Sanders can't transfer again. Um, Walker Howard can't transfer again and probably doesn't have a avenue to do so. Um, maybe things get crazy. Um, maybe like a Garrett Nussmeyer goes in the portal, but I think LSU feels really good about keeping him around over the long term. Um, so I would just I would mostly focus on those schools that have high profile competitions with proven veterans that could enter the portal. Um, but right now, there's just not a ton of them. Maybe like a Casey Thompson shakes loose at um, Nebraska. If Jeff Sims looks like he's going to win that job. Um, but there's like maybe. But that would be his second transfer too, or would he, would he be a grad transfer? He would be a grad transfer. So the NCAA is usually pretty lenient on grad transfer waivers, even if you've used the transfer portal before. Um, maybe Texas Tech, like let's say um, Brendan Morton wins that job and Tyler Shuck doesn't want to stick around for another year. Um, and I, I'm sure other situations will pop up, but those are the ones that come to mind, at least at first. Yeah, we talked a little bit about UCLA, too. They got uh, Garbers. They got Dante Moore. Yeah, um, and Colin Shalee coming in from Kent State, yeah. yeah. Right. So one of them will be third string, although coaches get creative into uh, saying that the competition is going to continue into the fall. Oh, absolutely. I remember Lincoln Riley telling me that uh, – Kyler Murray was in a competition with Austin Kendall all the way up until week one of the <laughs> season. You know, that quite crass competition with Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall. Um, 
Yeah, please go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I, I was just going to tell you the big news in Columbus this morning is that Devin Brown will be wearing number 33. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's what's the, is there a significance to that? I don't understand. I don't know. The only update I've seen on Twitter was uh, Ryan Day said it reminded him of Larry Bird. So another quarterback wearing a non-conventional number in the spring. That's the big update here in Columbus. Does that mean Devin Brown's transferring to Indiana State here soon? Should we be aware of that? <laughs> I don't know. Probably. But uh, no, I mean, you know, and I know you've given us a lot of time today. I know you got to be on your way. But I do have one question for you before we let you go is, how will you celebrate Aaron Rodgers either A, leaving Green Bay or B, retiring? As somebody who has been at some of these games with me or been at some national title games and watched my erratic behavior during Packers games. You know, um, as a Cowboys fan, um, <laughs> I will celebrate it greatly because he's hurt me many times. And if he wants to go to the AFC or retire, that's totally fine. Like, I appreciate it. I appreciate the fact of being cleared um, for Dak Prescott to choke again in the later round of the playoffs. So, um, it'll be great. But, um, Bill, it's been a really good run with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm sure you'll be feeling love soon, so I don't I don't think I'll have to worry about your fandom um, ebbing at all in the press box. <laughs> yeah, you've seen a couple, me behave, like I said, very poorly at times during uh, – Maybe a Green Bay postseason game. This, so. is, this is not. I'm sorry. Like this is probably taking over a college football podcast. But does Aaron Rodgers still have it? Like, are you are you still a believer? Do you think he could still be like an MVP level player? I I am of the opinion that if he moves on, it's fine. I've wanted to see Jordan Love play the last three years, and since it is a college football podcast, I've been curious about Jordan Love since his days yeah. at Utah State. Like, I want to see it on the field, and and if that's this year, and if Aaron goes to the Jets and does what. Brett Favre did with the Jets. It's like, I have a playbook to mentally and emotionally prepare for this. And Bill's a Patriots fan, so I already joked with him this morning. I was like, what are you going to do when uh, Rodgers goes into Foxborough and knocks you guys out of the playoffs? So I just don't know why somebody would go to the AFC, personally. Like, AFC's pretty loaded, and you're dealing with a lot of very good teams, a lot of good quarterbacks. But that's a topic for another day. So, But no, I, you know, like I told Bill, Chris, I knew you would be great with us. Um, sharing insight with the Longhorns. I, I miss you on the road. I haven't seen you in a while. So uh, definitely we'll be following your reporting on Arch and, and all things Texas. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate it. I right. wish you the best of luck during this saga. And uh, I'm sure it'll go well. All right. Thank you, Chris. That was great. And you can follow him at 24-7 Sports, National College Football Writer. And we will check in with you down the road. Thanks, Chris. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And good stuff again from one of our guests, eh? No, we've got a solid run here. So we've covered Nebraska, Georgia, Texas. Um, I'm sure we'll have some more as spring football goes on. I know, like I said, uh, there's some buzz in Columbus with them starting this week, um, you know, here in Big Ten country and some other schools that we look at. Chris is a solid guy. He's a really nice person. And I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we've been able to bring on some really just nice people in the business. It's, it pays off to be nice to other people. 
Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, and we thank uh, all of our All America podcast listeners. Remember, remind you, uh, we have a CFB Nation channel on YouTube where you can see all these guests and see uh, Bill and I, but mostly we want you to see the guests and not Bill and I. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been good to check in around the country. We'll to try to continue to do that as we go through the off season. Now, um, this is normally a college football podcast, but Selection Sunday is looming. We're going to do a little hoops talk for a few minutes. Um, Bill Bender is the bracketologist for SportingNews.com. And, Bill, I, I did some research. I don't know if I told you that. But first, before we get into the bracketology, Trochi Trivia, I got to answer. I got to ask you um, the Trochi Trivia question. We will have the answer at the end of the show. It is similar to a question we already discussed a few weeks ago. If Kansas repeats as national champion, they will join Georgia as a repeat national champion. When's the last time college football and college basketball had repeat national champions in the same year? Think about that, and we'll get back to that answer at the end of the show. Um, so yeah, so Bill, you're the bracketologist. You do that. You've done seven versions of your bracket <laughs> over the last month. You're diving in. It's great. Um, the folks over at bracketmatrix.com, have you, uh, checked them out? I, I saw that. I follow along. Um, they do. So yeah. Go, go tell, tell them what I ranked last year. I'm kind of in 200 and there's 212 kind of official media brackets out there that they, tracked you are 114th almost right at the 50 percentile andy katz 110th right near you jerry palm 125th right behind you uh so good company there bill good company we will definitely follow along your final bracket will come out sunday morning with your final projection the one that the bracket matrix will grade everybody on and uh we'll see but uh, that's an impressive number i'm telling you Pretty good. Well, I'm I'm I like doing it, and obviously we have Mike DeCourcy at Sporting News too, and he's I always tell people he's best college basketball writer in the country. So when you're kind of playing backup quarterback to him, it's we <laughs> talked this morning. I mean, one of the first things I was talking to him about was, you know, I like Xavier as a three seed, UConn's on most brackets three seeds, and part of my methodology is have the spreadsheet, the numbers, the Ken Palm, the net, the quad one stuff. But I, you know, I peek around at what jerry does and and joe does i mean they're obviously forerunners in the industry so but there's always room for disagreements like one we were talking through yesterday is one of the leading questions this week is is north carolina going to get in and i and i said yeah they have one quad one win they all but i was telling you they also wear north carolina uniforms (laughs) so if they win two in the acc tournament i could totally see them getting a first four in and over a Utah State or a Nevada or, you know, one of these big – the Big Ten cluster of teams is is something like I've never seen before. That would be something to see North Carolina playing in a first four game in Dayton. So let me tell you, those uniforms that you talk about, they don't, they don't seem to fit that scenario right there. Um, but we've got – you know, if you talk about the number one seeds a little bit, it uh, looks like we have five candidates essentially – in Houston, Alabama, Kansas, Purdue, and UCLA, and I won't necessarily ask who you're, you know, who you f- 
feel like will be the final no, four number ones. So it doesn't really matter because the, the fifth one will be a number two and they'll play one of the number ones. Um, but the, the top five seem to have separated themselves a little bit. Who do you feel best about in that group of five that they could actually, you know, do win the whole thing? Probably Kansas. I mean, and that's I know I get how hard it is to repeat and it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened since Florida in college basketball, but they have all the pieces when I watch them. The drawback with them is, and I was talking through this with one of my friends, I was like, they've been blown out a couple times. You know, like championship teams, and maybe it's changed, but like when you see a team, like they got blown out Saturday at Texas, and there wasn't much fight in the second half. So, I mean, they could just as easily bounce back and win the Big 12 tournament. I like Houston and UCLA for their defense, and, and you know, there could that style could win over in a tournament game. And, you know, Alabama, we'll see. There's obviously a lot going on with Brandon Miller on and off the court there. Um, so you wonder how – I just wonder with them, without getting – everybody knows the story now. I wonder how much that weighs on a team. I think it definitely tournament. has. They have not yeah. played great since that's all come out. They have and not. When they, wherever, and as you know, Bill, when you get in a neutral site, everybody's going to be cheering against Alabama when they play, especially you're already like that when you're a one seed, like, you know, if Kansas is somewhere, everybody else is going to be cheering against Kansas. Although the first, they might get sent to Birmingham. So that might help. The first two rounds, that's going to help. Yeah. Right. And then Purdue, you know, being big 10 country, we wear this around our neck that the, the big 10 hasn't won a championship since 2000. Purdue hasn't been to the final four since 1980. So everybody knows the snake bitten, nature of this big big 10 is one i like purdue i like indiana the rest i don't know if i like them getting out of the first weekend mm. other than maybe like iowa the rest mm. of them have been just so frenetic and inconsistent all season it's going to be very interesting to see how the big 10 performs one interesting note too about the potential number ones houston the final four is in houston yeah, so that could be a good factor for them, of course. You write a uh, bracket buster type of column for us every Selection Sunday as well. That'll be available to read Monday morning on SportingNews.com. Championship week's going on right now. Some of the, the mid-major conferences. Who have you keeping an eye on? I won't you know, hold you to a pick uh, yet since there's a lot of basketball still to be played. But who are you keeping an eye on this week potentially for, uh, for that bracket busters column that you'll, you'll write on Sunday? Well, you know, probably Drake is one. And, I, and I'm and i going to be honest with you, Bill. I like this week more than next week. And I, I might be in the minority there. I like staying up and watching. Like last night I watched Charleston play. And I watched Chattanooga and Furman play. I like watching them so you have some sort of feel for how you obviously you don't know how it might go in the tournament but I really like Drake I watched their last two games they won 13 of their last 14 I like the offense that they run and Missouri Valley Conference teams typically play up in the tournament now uh our colleague Matt Latowski is a North Dakota State grad so he will not like this next part because they're playing Oral Roberts tonight and Oral Roberts is one that if you remember them last year they just or two years ago they destroyed your bracket but mm-hmm. Max Asmus is back. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, oh, I remember that guy. He he destroyed <laughs> my bracket two years ago and beat Ohio State and did this and almost beat Arkansas. They've got all those guys back. They haven't lost a Summit League game. Um, 
And I think they're going to win tonight, and they'll get. They think that pushes them to thirty wins. And any time a team has thirty wins, you know they're going to be confident. Whoever they play, sometimes the committee screws them over and puts them against somebody they shouldn't. But um, those are two in particular that stand out. And as you know, I'm a Mac grad, and you know Toledo, Kent State. As much as it's going to hurt to probably watch one of them beat my alma mater, I, I think they're two teams that are really battle tested in the MAC. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Uh, let's revisit. You ready? Trochi trivia? I am kind of. You ready? So the, if, if Kansas ends up cutting the nets down again, they will repeat as national champions and they will join Georgia, who has just repeated as national champions. When is the last time we've seen a college football and a college basketball team repeat in the same school year? Like the same team or the same, like you, you talk like yeah, Georgia went back to back and Kansas went back to back. So I think you have to go all the way back to the seventies because it would probably be a UCLA Oklahoma combo. Very close. My friend, very close. Is it, it UCLA, UCLA Alabama? It's 1970, 1971. It was Nebraska. I've got the wrong big 12 school. So big 12 said Nebraska and UCLA 1970, Nebraska shared it with Texas and Ohio state. And then in 1971, of course, with Johnny Rogers, they won it outright. And uh, UCLA was in the midst of their six in a row or seven in a row uh, in 1970, 1971. Uh, So that's, that was the easy part of the answer. Yeah. Just a UCLA because they won the entire decade. Um, And I think, you know, since isn't it just like duke in 91 92 and florida it's really hard to go back to back in the tournament it really is and uh those florida teams wow and uh well the amazing thing was florida almost repeated in football and basketball at the same time right right they had a chance to do both and um what a what a great two-year run for that school it was so that was pretty amazing too so all right well that'll do it for today's show we'll be back next week uh, after Selection Sunday, we will uh, obviously focus on college football, uh, but we will mix in a little hoops talk for those of you who are following the March Madness, which most college football fans do, at least throughout the throughout the month of March. And then, uh, yeah, we will see uh, who we may bring on next week, or we may have topics to discuss just ourselves. But we thank everybody again for subscribing to the uh, All America podcast on on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And like I said, we have a YouTube channel, CFB Nation, where you can subscribe. We appreciate that. We appreciate comments that are left. Um, we've had uh, big uh, numbers on our, our um, in terms of views on the CFB Nation at YouTube channel. So that's been all good. But we just we enjoy it. It's twenty. It's twelve months, Bill. It's twelve months a year. Absolutely. Thanks so much to all our listeners, and we we'll look forward to it next week. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the All America Podcast.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.